Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The world is a great big Jaffa cake. Some people don't like it, others do. Either way, it's okay. All you've got to say is not today. Good morning. I had a, a Twitter spat yesterday. Uh, I haven't had one of those in, in ages. Uh, I guess mum's been off it. Uh, I'm kidding, actually, I think. Well, anyway, uh, Jonathan Cook, uh, I don't know who he is. He's a journalist. Uh, he tweeted an article by Juliette Jacques. Don't know who she is. Uh, on Red Pepper. Don't know what that is. Uh, anyway, the article uh, was sort of accusing comedians of uh, being toothless uh, and that uh, the way they treated Jeremy Corbyn demolished their anti-establishment credentials. Uh, went on to say, where are the Ben Eltons of this world? Oh. Uh, ben Elton, of course, who went on to co-write, was it We Will Rock You? Uh, and collaborate with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, I mean, sure, you're right. Comedy has got a bit toothless, hasn't it? And uh, it's certainly true to say that uh, comedians have attacked Corbyn, but attacking the comedians isn't necessarily the right tack. Comedians have much less agency than you might think. I mean, in the old days, maybe they did, but uh, let me explain. Uh, from from a sort of semi-outsider's point of view, who's sort of dipped a toe in there occasionally, how it works as, as I see it. Um, to start with, I don't really think satire works. I, I In fact, I think it's quite a bad thing <laughs> because I feel like it makes everyone go, yes, that's right. And I, she now, you know, I feel a lot better about all of these terrible things because I've had a good laugh. I, I feel like it's quite cathartic. It's a dissipator of anger rather than an, uh, an amplifier of it. So I, I'm not really a fan of satire, even though I'm uh, sometime purveyor of it. Um, but here's what happened. What happened was, was uh, you had shows like Have I Got News For You and I feel like uh, the establishment, which uh, this article laments comedians not mocking anymore, uh, the establishment realised the power of it. Uh, I mean, I don't think it does have that much power, but it was enough for the establishment to sit up and take notice. And so they started pushing MPs onto it. So suddenly you had Boris Johnson on, have I got news for you? It happened in the States. You had Sarah Palin uh, going on Saturday Night Live. And suddenly... Uh, all of the bite is going to come out of your jokes, isn't it? Because the person you're talking about is literally standing right there. And it's really hard to uh, properly land a punch 
uh, on someone when they're right there like that. And uh, you're all going to have fun in the green room afterwards. Uh, great stuff. Um, but the the problem is that uh, that, uh, along with detractors of the BBC in this country particularly, um, it's caused this whole issue of balance to creep into satirical comedy let's call it topical comedy because it's not really satirical anymore uh suddenly this principle which only ever applied to news the idea of uh balance you can't have one side of the story without the other crept into comedy uh particularly because uh both left and right-wing people always accuse the bbc of bias uh slowly tearing it apart so the bbc became obsessed with this idea of balance but I've been in meetings, I've been in writer's rooms, and uh, I've had scripts of mine sort of kick back with a note saying, mm, I mean, you can get away with most of this, but you're going to have to put something in uh, about uh, the other side, uh, because you've got to have balance. I've heard people say, mm, you can't really just attack Trump, because uh, there's quite a lot of people in this country who really like Trump. I mean, these are notes I've had. So... It's not about the comedians being gutless swine. Uh, It's very much about the brief they've been asked to meet. I've sat in writers' rooms with people just lamely trying to come up with jokes about Jeremy Corbyn because we need a few more jokes about Jeremy Corbyn for balance. In the old days, the idea of satire was that you attack the people with power, but now... Uh, you have to attack the people with no power, too, which goes against the whole concept of satire. Uh, So that's the problem. And, you know, you can rail against the BBC and say, well, they should have pushed back, they should have pushed back. I mean, the BBC is just crucified. Everybody hates it. Uh, And as an idea, it's just folding in. The left wing hate it now. And that's a genius stroke. Uh, from the right wing, I think, of kind of persuading uh, this whole idea of uh, partiality from the BBC. The BBC, you know, I've worked in news departments too, and I have watched people scrupulously strive to be as balanced as they possibly can and leave their own politics at the door. And they really do. But everybody sees the bias that they don't want to see. And so we're tearing up the BBC and leaving the door wide open for the Murdochs of this world. There's another aspect to this, though, in terms of comedy, uh, which is kind of what I was saying about comedians having very little agency. And a lot of that's to do with their agency. Uh, Let me explain. The management companies, the agents. uh, Comedy has become such big business. When you get your Michael McIntyres and uh, your, what's his name, the one, what, dot all, uh, is this the way to Amarillo? Paul K, Peter K, Peter K, uh, doing, not Paul K, poor Paul K, he's not doing much, is he? But uh, Peter K, he did something like 28 nights at the Apollo. I mean, you're talking about millions upon millions of pounds in one month. Uh and you should ask him how much he pays his musicians, but that's another story. Anyway, uh, <laughs> these people make so much money doing these gigs, and management companies have realised that vertical integration is the way forward. So in the old days, you'd have a comedian who grew up on the circuit and did the circuit, and if he got really famous on the circuit, you might put him, you might get put on the telly occasionally, and that would be brilliant. 
what's happened now is management agencies have realized there's there's a better way, there's a more efficient way. Uh, so what you can do is get a comedian. It doesn't have to be a particularly brilliant comedian, just someone that fits the bill, looks good on your little roster of comedians that you've got. You want to have a nice spread of demographic uh, representation. Uh, so you'll get the one that you think you need. Uh, we'll get the, uh, yeah, we'll get that one, right? So you get that one. And there they are, blinking, not having done an awful lot. And sure, they still keep playing the circuit, but you rapidly accelerate their career. And here's how you do it. You you set up your own production company, for starters. So you look at Avalon and Off the Curb, the two biggest agencies. They have their own production company. Uh, actually, PBJ has got Tiger Aspects. They're all sort of having a go at this. And so they make their own TV shows. And then they get to choose the guests they put on their TV shows. And guess what guests they choose? They choose the guests that happen to be their own clients on their books. But then they'll play an even smarter game. So they'll say to a broadcaster, sure, sure. If you want, you can have uh, Jonathan Ross... Uh, for the series opening of uh, Bake Off an Extra Slice, say. Um, he, he can be your guest. And everyone goes, oh, brilliant, we've got Jonathan Ross. Uh, and then the management agency says, bah, 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 bah. if you're taking Jonathan Ross, then you're going to have to take unknown X, unknown Y, and unknown Z across the series. Um, and that's how you seed them, because they know these companies, and it's, I, I've been told this, Whenever anybody appears on TV, right, on any of those shows, Bake Off an Extra Slice or uh, The Apprentice, You're Fired, or uh, just any of those nothing little shows, never mind Have I Got News For You or Mock The Week or any of those, right? The minute they appear on those shows, searches online for Unknown X plus uh, Comedy Tour or tickets uh, go through the roof, right? So it's, it's literally advertising that client of theirs on TV. Not only that, getting some money for it, right? So it's not really about them being on the TV show. It's about them then selling more tickets for bigger tour venues and sales. And it's about them seeding the next star. I mean, it's hard to imagine right now, but there was a time when we hadn't heard of Josh Widdicombe. He was just some guy that showed up on those kind of shows. I'm not saying this happened to Josh Widdicombe. I'm just saying as an example, right? I'd also submit that no one has ever said in, in, in human history, no one has ever said, oh, that's a, that is a real Josh Widdicombe joke, that. But I want to talk about that as well in a second. Anyway, so that's how you do it, right? So you, you see these people, they get bigger and bigger, and all the people watching go, oh, yeah, I'll go to that. That is comedy on the telly. And then they go, and then they have a great time. And the companies make a fortune and they kind of keep uh, their talent in thrall. So what they'll do is they'll take this little unknown and they'll say, you know what, I'm going to put you on TV and who wouldn't say yes to that? And they say, not only that, don't worry about your next Edinburgh show. It's all taken care of. I'm going to foot the bill for everything. I'm going to pay for the venue. I'm going to pay for the publicity. I'm going to pay for the posters. I'm going to pay for flyers. It's all taken care of. And this little comedian who's probably making about £100 a week, if they're lucky, goes, 
oh my God, jackpot. Because it costs 10, 15,000 pounds to do a show in Edinburgh. And you're lucky if you make back half of that. It costs people an extraordinary amount of money to do an Edinburgh show. So they're like, oh my God, amazing. And then this fairly unscrupulous uh, talent management agency will say, okay, well, you now owe me 10,000 pounds and you're going to have to work that off. And so they end up stuck in this contract. Not only that, they have no agency. So if they get told, don't talk about your veganism, no one wants to hear about that, mate. Do jokes about like driving with your wife. They go, yes, boss. And that's another reason why comedy is so toothless, because the management agencies want it to have the broadest appeal possible. They are not interested in niche, highly politicised comedy. They're the ones that really you want to blame, because they're the ones who are only interested in mass marketing a comedian and doing jokes about, oh, you know what it's like when, oh, you're in the traffic jam. It's that. Sorry, I had to pause for tea. So that's why, you know, I could say something cruel like, has anyone ever said, oh, that's a real Josh Widdicombe joke? We don't know what a Josh Widdicombe joke is because I suspect he's not very often allowed to tell one. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you see what I mean? So you can lament all these past luminaries like Alexi Sale, but they wouldn't have got anywhere because all of those slots on all of those shows, all of that publicity that you could get from that TV exposure, that's all been taken up by these big talent agencies. I've heard stories of talent agencies saying, okay, you can have this radio presenter, but if you do, you're going to commission a whole series from us solely to showcase our comedians. Like, this is systemic, industrial comedy. It's what McDonald's is to the human palate of flavours. These companies are doing to the palette of comedy. And that's why you can 
have a go at comedians and say they're toothless and say, oh, they had a go at Corbyn, their establishment. It's not that they're establishment, it's that they're as trapped as anybody else is in the system now. There's no way out. The only way out is to, frankly, live a life like mine, which I'm very lucky to be able to do, and I'm exceptionally grateful to be able to do. Because I don't have to do that. I'm not told to shut up. I'm not told what brief to work to. Um, but I'm not playing the Labatt's Apollo either. And it's precarious. Like, really precarious. Um, you know, and I take other bits of work that I do that uh, are, are not glamorous to sort of support what I'm doing. And I'm fine with that. But, you know, that's because I'm not wildly interested in becoming a massive stand-up star. If, if that was my calling, if that's what I really wanted to do, then um, that's probably the path I'd have to go down. And I've stared down the barrel of it in the past and thought about it. But I feel like it's a miserable path to walk. So, sure, I got, anyway, so I got into this spat and this, this guy, Jonathan, um, had a bit of a go, uh, which was exciting and fun. What he said, what did he say? Where is he? This is so politically muddled, it's hard to know where to start. The BBC isn't balanced, it's faux-balanced. Do you see how everyone says the BBC is biased? All you're doing is saying that. It's not dispassionate between the left and right, and never was. It tries to be. No one can be wholly objective. Please explain how the left partook in the evisceration of the BBC. I'm all ears. I explained that. You rightly deplore balance in comedy, but then seek to impose exactly the same phony balance in analysing comedy's decline, blaming both sides for destroying the BBC. No, that was a completely different thing I was talking about. Was Blair the other side or is Starmer? There's your problem right there. No, it's not a problem. But more generally, there's a reason satire, as you say, had little practical effect. It had patrons, as today. It was always meant as bread and circuses. Think Punch magazine. Think Punch magazine. Think Punch magazine. Think Punch magazine. Buy one today. Think Punch magazine. Satire picked off the weakest links in the chain of power to preserve the integrity of the whole. Listen, if anyone's whole's going to get its integrity preserved, it's almost certainly not mine. It's your career. <laughs> so obviously it's going to be everyone's fault, but the comedy writers and the BBC bosses who pay your wages. You're in denial. Listen, I make from the BBC... Uh, I would say an average of... £200 a month. That's my income from the BBC. Truly. Plus, there's something wrong and cowardly about all this cap-doffing to the BBC just, just because the alternative is Murdoch. No, it's an ideal. You know, the BBC, it's one of those things that you, you might say... Uh, uh, communism. There's an example. You can say, uh, well, communism is a terrible thing. No, communism is a really basic thing. Communism is a sitting in the pub and your mate loses his job and you say, let me buy you a drink. That's communism. Uh, each according to his or her need. Uh, to each, you know. Right? That's the principle of communism. Now, sure, there have been some very corrupt administrations purporting to be communists who haven't been communistic, right? Uh, and you can, you can argue, well... 
maybe you could never actually have true communism then because power corrupts and all these people, you know? But that doesn't mean it's not an ideal that's necessarily worth striving for if you're into that whole equality thing. So it's the same with the BBC. Oh, so you're admitting it's communist, are you? No. I'm just saying as a principle, the idea of an impartial body broadcasting news and other stuff that's not influenced by commerce is a good idea. Uh, anyway, that's... um. That's my hot take, guys, on the parlour state of comedy. Uh, do check out at Jonathan underscore K underscore Cook. Uh, if you can be bothered, not sure I can. I tell you what, uh, before we go, we've got some emails. Uh, we've been talking about um, tiny, tiny windows of opportunity uh, with fresh produce. Uh, pineapples we were talking about and how, how quickly they go all sort of brown and fizzy. And, you know, is there a little bit of you that likes the fizzy funk? I don't know. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> um, but w what other uh, foods are very, very transient? Avocados. You know there's a 15-second window from bullet to brown. Uh, Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Uh, says, hi, Jake. Uh, I believe pears have an 11-minute window of ripeness. <laughs> yes. Yes. Rock hard to mush. Uh, between teeth-breakingly hard and squishy alcoholic mush. Oh, if it was alcoholic. It's when it goes all flowery. That's depressing, isn't it? Uh, the only way to guarantee a perfect pear is to buy tinned pears, which, let's face it, we all thought we'd be living off come the apocalypse. Ah, remember pear trees? Turns out we're eating Taste the Difference Kalamata olive bread because that's what Sainsbury sent when they didn't have the normal one. This pandemic must be a real disappointment for apocalyptic screenwriters and authors. <laughs> Have a lovely pair. Sophie, thank you. Um, I've, I've got a lovely pair. Uh, in fact, I've got, I've got a bag full of them. Very, very stunted. My mother-in-law brought them over. Very green, very hard, very stunted, but sort of sweet. I'll let you know what happens with them and when they turn to mush. Taste the difference, Kalamata olive bread. I feel like somewhere else, someone's like, oh, they didn't have the taste the difference, Kalamata olive bread, so we got wholemeal instead. Just can't win, can you? Um, David Brazel. Bean sprouts. Why in God's name do they come in such big bags? No one can eat that many in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, you, you can only buy bean sprouts by the pillow. Uh, can I have a pillow of bean sprouts, please? Uh, and once opened, they have a half-life of about 20 minutes. Oh, the old bean sprouts. Is that, should I be eating? I don't know. I also have in the back of my head that they are a common carrier of salmonella or smallpox or something similar, so I'm already scared when I open them. Yes, I remember that. Lovely in a Chinese soup or an omelette, though. David. An omelette? A bean sprout omelette? I'd like to know what you think about that. Not today at swanburst.com. Or you can uh, tweet at not today pod not today at swanburst.com though uh, i'd like to know what foods you have oh yeah that was a story i was going to tell um years ago when i was a teenager my parents knew these uh artists uh this couple and they 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 did these kind of weird castings and stuff and that's another story for another time but they worked in this sort of little industrial estate you know those ones 
that sort of get turned into artists' studios because we don't have an industry anymore in Britain and we're just going to have to rent them out at a discount price. Uh, so anyway, they had this uh, workshop there and there was another artist in there. <coughs> Excuse me, a guy called Judd. I can't remember where he was from. I think he was from like Texas or something like that. And he was in contravention of the rules of the industrial state. He was he was sleeping there and uh, with his parrot. Um, and he was not big on hygiene. The smell was incredible. But is it odd? Uh, this 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 parrot. There was like a mound of guano and uh, orange peel and sunflower seed husks, uh, like a sort of stalagmite under its perch um and he had those kind of tight fitting t-shirts that certain gentlemen have um that that sort of preempt the body odor in some way anyway he bought i think some potatoes i think he bought a sack of potatoes he was thrilled because they only cost like you know three pounds for the sack of potatoes he was like yes um but he he left them too long and they turned to liquid in the bottom of the bag as these things will. And apparently he was absolutely furious and he was storming around going, them potatoes trick me! Um, anyway, that's a fun shelf life s- story. Um, and finally, Neil Green. Uh, he's got a story here. Oh, wow, an article. Brinsley Dearlove, who fronted the hit radio show That's Lovely, is reportedly dating 26-year-old PR executive Nora Pittyshance after the pair were spotted enjoying a date in London last night. An eyewitness said the pair enjoyed some, quote, tender moments, unquote, during the meal as they were spotted at the Weatherspoons Shepherd's Bush enjoying a 50% off meal. Uh... They arrived secretively, but were definitely on a date, even though Mr. Dearlove was wearing a sack over his head to avoid the paparazzi. He looked just like John Merrick, an onlooker said. She was cozying up to him during the meal, and they shared a couple of tender moments, feeding each other new potatoes by the forkful. Them potatoes! The onlooker went on to say the pair were all over each other, but looked like they were so intoxicated neither of them could order the chipotle bouillabaisse with quinoa and chorizo. A source close to Brinsley reportedly said the presenter is, quote, enjoying meeting new ladies during his time off from permanent employment, unquote. The duo is believed to have met online when Nora approached him about a fate opening. And pictures obtained. Brinsley and his companion were pictured standing outside the London B&B before they were let in by the landlady. Brinsley's companion looked elegant in a pink boob tube and white hot pants. The radio star opted for a puce shirt emblazoned with surfers accompanied with corduroy slacks and espadrilles. Ah, <laughs> oh, espadrilles is a nice touch. Brinsley split from his ninth wife, Bronwyn, in December 2016 after three months together. Gosh, any more articles you find about uh, Brinsley, dear love, do let me know because I do wonder what he's up to. Um, and your transient foods, please, most welcome. Thanks very much for being here for today's podcast. Uh, we will have more tomorrow. I've got some treats that I haven't unleashed on you yet. Um, we've got a little bit more um, Evie Lynch, I think, talking about Minecraft. Uh, and I didn't do Christine Nickel last week. What's wrong with me? What's even wrong with me? Uh, so we'll have more of that sort of thing tomorrow. Lots of love. Bye. This has been a Swanburst Media production. Bye. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.